Oh, praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. It is good to be in the house of God today. We greet you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord for the body of Christ. Wasn't testimony time exciting? Okay. When you lift one another and testify of the good things of God. Hallelujah. You can never go wrong with that. Hallelujah. I want us to uh, be thankful, especially the Ritters told me yesterday, they were coming, they were coming, and then their house caught on fire. Even part of the structure of it did. And so they've been working hard to get that restored. Hallelujah. And uh, they are here. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to see the goodness of God. We're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, years and years ago, everyone say years and years ago. Uh, do you remember that far back? Okay. Now, some people don't. I mean, they, uh, for whatever reason, they don't remember much about what they've done or what their uh, uh, young years were like. Uh, and then there's some people that remember quite a bit. And for whatever reason, I can remember quite a bit. I can remember when I was two years old and I was sitting in the hallway and uh, my mama was coming out of the bathroom. And I explained to my mom not too many years ago what the bathroom looked like and that it was a long hallway and it was dark and the uh, bath was at the end. And she says, well, Kelly, that had to have been when you were two. And I said, yes, and you were wearing a dark colored dress with white polka dots, big white polka dots, and you were crying. And it set me off, and I became fearful, okay? Because Mama, the one that I looked up to, uh, was not in a good place. And so she didn't pick me up. Of course, you know the baby, you know the two-year-old, you know doesn't know too much, you know. So whenever the one who, is, who you hoped for and who gives you peace and gives you security, and they're in an uproar, that makes me like, oh, and so I cry, and mama did not pick me up. She went sailing right by. That did something, and some people say, well, you just moved on. No, that's instilled a, a fear in me of rejection, okay? Well, uh, other things, I can tell you all kinds of things that happened when I was young, okay? One of them uh, was a dream that was reoccurring in my life, okay? Anyone have dreams? Okay, everyone should be raising their hand because everyone does have dreams. You just, most of us don't remember any of them, okay? But I had a dream that was reoccurring. Every, anyone ever have reoccurring dreams? Kind of the same thing over and over again? Or you pick up from where you left off the last time? <laughs> I don't want to go there. I don't want to do step two. No, 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 no. <laughs> and it would happen. Uh, this particular one that I had, if you'll put it on the screen, was in the dream, there was a, a sheep, okay? And it was a piñata. Everyone say piñata. Now, my grandma and grandpa gave each of the grandkids a piñata, and it was a sheep. And if you were a boy, okay, the sheep had a blue tie with a bow, blue, blue bow. And if you were a girl, it was pink. So I had my, my sheep, and it had a blue, you know, ribbon and, and, and bow on it. Well, Beings that we lived in a smaller house, we did not have much room for all this stuff. And so the sheep went into my bedroom closet up high above all my clothes and kind of stuffed up there in that little top section, okay? Anyone have a shelf unit above where the clothes go, okay, on hangers, okay? And so that's where it was. And so at night, 
I would fall asleep and oh, I'd be going into dreamy land doing all kinds of who knows what and invariably this dream would pop up where I am in my bed, in my dream I'm in my bed and I am suddenly lifted up and I feel weird feelings and the spooky spooky going on and it's dark in my bedroom and suddenly the closet door opens by itself and there's that sheep up there, okay, and it's staring right at me and I'm lifting up off the bed and I can't help it and I'm moving right toward that sheep and it's just pulling me, pulling me and then poof, just before I uh, you know, collide with it, I wake up. Talk about afraid. I didn't want to open up that, that bedroom closet. Good grief, that sheep is going to come alive, okay, and it's going to move, do awful things to me. That yeah, <laughs> and so it was reoccurring many, many times, and praise the Lord, I've moved on from that, you know, and uh, the spirit of fear, okay, was, was taken care of in Jesus' name, hallelujah, and we moved on in life. There's some people, they have different fears, everyone has fears, everyone say, everyone has fears, fears is a powerful emotion, ladies and gentlemen, that we all deal with through life, okay, and where did fear come from? I'm here to tell you, fear did not come from Satan because Satan cannot produce, he cannot create. The original fear came from God. God has put fear on the inside of each and every one of us. There are, they are boundaries by which he places within us to keep us uh, thriving and to keep us healthy and to keep us going. Some of you are in shock right now. Okay? Huh? Fear? Fear come from, fe originally fear was of God, and it still is. But as with everything, Satan will take what God has and twist it and manipulate it. He takes music and does that. He takes writing and does it. He does it with everything. He does not know how to create. It's not in his ability to create. But he can copy and he can imitate but then he always uses something to twist it, manipulate it, pervert it, so that it's no longer used for the glory of God. It's used to tear down, to kill, steal, and destroy. Is anyone getting anything out of this? Are you glad you came? Hallelujah. Okay, we'll just go home now. Oh, no, hallelujah. no, we're not. So Satan, okay, he can't create, so he just takes what he, what he sees and then he perverts it to bring uh, glory to himself and glory to, you know, the things that go on in the world. Uh, let's look carefully at some uh, sides of fear, okay? When I said that God has a fear, okay? So you're questioning all that. God has a fear, okay? He placed fear within us but it's a rational fear. Everyone say rational fear. A rational fear is a, is a type of fear. It's a boundary. Everyone say boundary. In which the people of God or whoever it is, these boundaries say, okay, do not jump off of the edge of the cliff and go into the Grand Canyon. That is a what? That's a boundary. It's something placed in us. It's a rational fear. It's something that if you thought about it, it would make complete sense. Okay? Now, a lot of people don't follow that anymore. Okay? And they go and they call it adventure. Where it actually is going across the boundaries of rational fear. Do you understand what I'm trying to say, everybody?
Then we have what's called irrational fear. Everyone say irrational fear. Now, irrational fear, okay, is anything that comes forth, you know, and uh, it's like the fear of darkness, okay? The fear of spiders. I don't like spiders. I'm sorry. Spiders have their place. God created spiders. They're marvelous, I'm sure. They are very unique. If you look at them up close, they have some marvelous markings on them, okay? Colors, sizes, everything you can imagine. But if they're in my bedroom, Okay, I'm going to use my authority and I'm going to stomp on them. If his name is Napoleon Bonaparte, he's going to meet his Waterloo. Some of you didn't know your world history, okay? <laughs> so what am I trying to say is, okay, there are some irrational fears. Fears, okay, that if you thought about it, it shouldn't make that much of a big of difference, but it does, and it becomes exemplified, it becomes magnified. Okay, we have all kinds of fears that we deal with. Okay, people deal with them, okay, all the time. Some is just a small amount, others it's huge. I'm here to share with you that, that fears come mostly in two different uh, areas. Okay, it's because of the unbeliever and they don't have a living, dwelling presence of Jesus on the inside, and so all that is left is that fearful expectation of judgment and all the fears that go with it. Okay, the other aspect, okay, is, is the, the fear, okay, the, the, the rational fears, those boundaries that God gives us by which we can live by and then we thrive and we can accomplish and do what God has called us to do, amen? Hallelujah. So those, those uh, irrational fears, uh, God is, is wanting to deal with them. You know, very, everyone think about a time in, uh, or maybe something that you fear, something that you deal with. Okay, all right, and as you do, I want you to be thinking about these things. You know, most of our fears, if not all of them, okay, when you think about the fears that you have, and you say, well, what made you fear that, okay? Why do you fear that? Where does that come from, okay? What would make you think that? And when you come down to and boil it down to three things usually, and that's that you are afraid of dying, You're afraid to die. Even though you're a child of God, you're afraid to die. Or, you have a fear of rejection. You fear being rejected. Remember the word of the Lord that came forth this morning? Loneliness. It's everything about rejection. You, you're, you fear being left behind. You fear being by yourself. Okay? All right, and then the fear of failure. We have a fear of failing. Oh man, I, do not, I don't like to fail. I still deal with that. And so that keeps me from actually moving forward in some of the things that I believe God would want me to do. Okay, why? Because I'm afraid that if I take a step forward, I might fall flat on my face. And my, my, the way I flow is I like everything in its place and I like everything to be correct. And because I want it that way, and this is telling me something that might cause me not to have that happen. And so as a result, I'm not going to go that direction. Is everyone getting anything out of this? Okay? And so uh, death, I, I, I want to talk about that for a minute. Sometimes we're afraid of dying ourselves. 
Sometimes we're afraid of dying because we're going to leave someone else behind. And we think that, that they will not be able to accomplish or do without us. Will you prideful thing? I'm serious. Okay, what, what makes you think that if, if you die, they're not going to survive? So God's not good enough or be, uh, great enough or able enough? Okay, to take, to take really what you're holding on to, it's, it's a burden that you have that you shouldn't have anyway, okay? You should be giving that to God because who belong, uh, they belong to who? Not you, okay? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay, also, okay, uh, you're, you're uh, afraid that others are going to die. Okay, you're afraid that others are going to die. And then you, what are you going to do if they do die? Okay, I can't live without you. All right, there's that issue of pride again. Also the issue of, um, uh, I can't think of the word right now, but it's where two people are ungodly, have an ungodly soul tie, okay, with one another. It's not godly, it's not of God, okay. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. But uh, anyway, it's, it's where you're un, uh, you are yoked in a wrong way, okay. And, uh, and, and, and it's very damaging, Okay, and uh, people uh, like moms and their sons, when their sons haven't really left the house, and mom and son have this, uh, this connection, okay, to where they are always calling one another, and if the son gets in trouble, then the mom is always bailing him out and not letting him be a, a, a mature human being and might have to fall on his face, you know, in order to get up. And You get what I'm trying to say? Okay, and and so and then maybe it's the fact that uh, 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 the the fact of death, okay, coming to where it, it's just that overall uh, concept. Like a lot of us, we've been watching people die, and so just that overall general look of death, okay, and then we get afraid of it, okay, because we're losing my friends, we're losing people, and now I feel kind of like, <gasps> okay, but as a child of God, why should you fear death? What is there? Why are you afraid? Are you afraid of the fearful judgment that's going to come your way because when you die, you have to meet your God face to face? If you're a child of God, is there a need for fearful judgment? No. It's not found in the Word. Okay? So, you know, like Paul said, you know, for me to live is what? Christ, and to die is what? Gain. Okay? And so, you know, I believe in this society that we live in, we're all about health and staying alive and, and living as long as we possibly can. And I'm not against that. But if we're not careful, we make it our God. And therefore, we're afraid of dying. Maybe we need to reshift some things inside of our hearts. Stop trying to be like the world. Stop trying to act the way they act. Stop trying and, and engaging the world and saying, yeah, we got to go there. That's not what he's called you to do. He wants you to stick out like a sore thumb. He wants you to do that. Okay? And so be excited about the fact that you're different. God's word says you're a peculiar people. You're strange. You're different. Okay? 
Accept that. That is your calling. (laughs) All right. You worship and yield authority to what you fear. I'm going to say that again. Okay? You worship and yield authority to what you fear. Let that sink in. Why would I say that? Because I said it already once. Fears are idols that are in your lives. They dictate and they decide how you're going to respond, what you're going to do, how you're going to do it, when you're going to do it, who you're going to do it with. Whenever that happens, you have yourself a God. Because you're, you're literally okay, uh, uh, envisioning and putting together your life Okay, surrounding that, whatever that is, whatever that fear is. Okay, are you hearing what I'm saying? On what foundations then are your relationships standing on and revolving around? Are they on fear? Are they founded on fear? Are they founded on and revolving around fear? God never intended for you to have that. When you pray, do you pray from love and faith or do you pray from fear and angst? Oh, God, I don't want this to happen to me. Oh, God, would you please? And it goes on and on. There is no faith in that. There's no love in that. You are basing that fear from a spirit, okay, that is not of God. Your prayers should be in line with the heart of heaven. Your prayers should be in line with the word of God. Your prayers should be in line with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Wow. When you make decisions or make plans or write down your vision so you make it plain so you can run with it later, are those done from the position of what you fear? Well, we don't want to do this because you know about me. I just don't da 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 da. So, you know, we got to do this and, and we work our way around. There are even psychologists and so, uh, what do you call them? Psychologists and, uh, I'm having a hard time with words, okay. <laughs> psychologists and sociologists and psychiatrists and all of them, they, and they have counseling sessions. They even tell you, so we'll stay away from that, okay. Move away from that. Don't engage in that. And does that help you any? No, it limits, okay, your life. And God's not about limiting your life. He's about expanding your life so that you will be able to accomplish all that he has put within your heart to do. Amen? Hallelujah. So we've got to think about what really, okay, is driving us. What is your motive behind why you do and what you do and how you do it and why you say it and why you accomplish it? Maybe you're one that has allowed COVID. Maybe you've allowed cancer. Maybe you've allowed other infirmities to direct you or convince you of how to live a certain way. Is that God's plan? Is that, your, is that his heart? Okay. Think about those things as we go from this point. How, are you led by fear on that? Some people love to say, oh no, I'm not in fear. I'm just using wisdom. Go to God with it. See what he has to say. Okay? Hallelujah. Many say that the opposite of fear is faith or courage. And I'm not saying that it's not. 
But let us look at the word of God and find out what it is that takes care of that fear. I've heard it even said by certain uh, people, you know, through the years, okay, well, just do it afraid. Well, yeah, we may need to do something afraid, but did that take care of the fear? Are you about just doing it afraid, or are you about dealing with the fear? Okay? I, I want to step on some toes today because, man, my feet are hurting real bad. First John chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. Now, on the board, I'm only going to show verse 18. But I want you to hear the whole uh, uh, meaning, what this was talking about. First John chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 15. So listen up, and then we get to 18, and it'll show it on the board. Okay, it says, All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. Okay, they've accepted Jesus Christ. And they live in God. He lives in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. We've put our trust in what? His love, okay? We have a trust in his love. We have a, we have a whole big, huge uh, uh, arena of society that we don't know how to trust anymore. We've, been, our, we've had broken trust over and over again, different ways, different per reasons why, okay? But we live in broken trust and yet, God is calling us yet again to trust in his love, to trust in his, his uh, goodness, to trust in his person, okay? Hallelujah. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen, okay? Think about this. God is love. Everyone say, God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So love grows but i want all the love of god now yes we're all that way okay we're in the instant society we want it now we want it burger king express yes i would like to have perfect love please i would like to have four doses of that please i would like to have three doses of, of whatever it is okay and i want it yesterday okay so, and it says that love grows more perfect. So we, now, why do we need to know this? We love the Lord, we've made him Lord and Savior, and we're living in God, he's living in us, and the love of God is growing more and more perfect, okay? And growing more inside of us. So, why we, we, would, we want to know this? So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. Remember how you said you were afraid of dying? Because you might meet a God? There is no fear with the child of God. There is no need to be afraid when judgment day comes. Do you hear what I said? Now, if you don't know Christ, all that's left, okay, is, is fear and that judgment. But if you know him, okay, there is no fear on that judgment day when it comes. And everyone's going to have that judgment day. Okay? The judgment seat of Christ for the children of God. And he's going to, uh, we're going to be rewarded for the things that we have done while on the earth. The great white throne judgment, separate deal. It's for those who have never known the Lord or refused the Lord. 
to say, you know, they refused the Lord. Okay? And as a result of that, there will be the great white throne judgment. And they will be judged. Okay? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, let's bow our heads right now. We're going to take a moment. Bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're a child in this room or if you're an adult in this room and you do not have Jesus Christ, those on YouTube, if you do not know Jesus and this is really speaking to your heart, I want you to raise your hand boldly because you want to move over to the side where you're the child of God and you do not need to fear that judgment on, during that day when it comes. Hallelujah. If you're one of those, be bold enough to raise your hand now. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everyone here is claim, saying that they love the Lord Jesus. There's no hands being raised. Either that or you're lying through your teeth. Okay? And then number two, those on YouTube. So we're going to, for the sake of maybe those who are watching on YouTube uh, or another, another format and they need to know Jesus, we're going to pray right now. Just say, Father, I come to you a sinner. I need you. Forgive me of all the things I've done that is wrong. I repent. I turn from my wicked ways. Jesus, come into my life. Be Lord. Be boss. Be Savior of my life. I will serve you. I will uh, worship you all the rest of my days. I want to please you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him clap offering. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm going to continue. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here on the wor in the world. We have the same things that he had available. The promises of God are what? Yes and amen who, to those who are in Christ Jesus. He, we have the same ability and the same things that we have uh, in our tool belt as he does. Hallelujah. We are treated as Jesus is treated. Hallelujah. We have confidence to enter the throne room of grace and find that mercy, to receive that mercy, to find that grace to help us in the time of need. It's not fearful judgment. It's glorious judgment. Hallelujah. <sighs> Such love has no fear. What love? God's love. His perfecting love. The love that's growing on the inside of you. That love has no fear. Because why? Perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Is God going to punish you? No, he's not going to punish you. If you are in Christ, he's not going to punish in the way that you think. May he chastise you? Yes. May he correct you? Yes. But didn't your mom and your dad do the same thing? Didn't your boss do the same thing? Hallelujah. And it wasn't the end of the world. It may have thought about it for a minute and thought you would have thought maybe it was, okay? For me, it was that big, hairy, marine hand that was coming swiftly down upon my buttocks, lifting it up ever so slightly, and I will never forget the feeling of it. 
okay? Perfect love casts out fear. If we're afraid, it's because we're afraid of being punished. And this shows that we've not fully experienced his perfect love. He's not here to get you. He wants you to grow in his love. He wants you to grow in his love. As you grow in his love, what's going to happen to the fear? It's going to go by the wayside. That's why I tell everyone I minister to, go to him, go to him, go to the Father, go to the Lord. Why? Because in him you will grow in love. You'll find out who he really is. You'll find out who you are. And as this happens, the fears begin to subside. Oh, they might show their ugly head every once in a while, but isn't that just like the enemy to do that? Okay? And when that happens... You say, nope, not going there. And you say, Father, I just love you and bless you. I want to get to know you more. Hallelujah. Everyone say amen. amen. Hallelujah. So I'm not saying that faith and courage are not the opposite of fear, okay? But that which dissolves fear is God's love. His perfect love. Ha. Now I want to share with you, as I've said before, there is a fear. There is a fear that originated in God, Okay. And it's completely compatible with God's perfect love. So there is a fear. And it's in Christ. Okay? In fact, no one can truly embrace, understand, and walk in his love without it. Yet, it's misunderstood today. Not even taught in a lot of places. Or maybe it's even considered irrelevant by many in the Christian community, much less the world. And that is the fear of the Lord. Everyone say the fear of the Lord. Now, to fear the Lord is not to shrink back from him in terror. People who shrink back or run from God because they're afraid of him most likely have something to hide or they have a misbelief of who God really is. To fear God is to have a deep, everyone say deep, reverence for him above anyone else. No competition in your heart. There's nothing else competing with who he is. How many in the United States have something else competing with God? Just found out the other day, our pastor said that one of his grandchildren are now playing soccer on Sunday mornings. Christian, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to learn to set boundaries about what we're willing to do and not to do because there is something about the fear of the Lord, having an awe, a deep awe and reverence for him, placing him at the highest level and nothing else can even come close. No competition. None. I'm reminded of the Ark of the Covenant back in uh, Israel's time. Remember when the uh, uh, Israelites brought out the Ark of the Covenant because they thought it was a good luck charm and they brought it out, you know, in the midst of the enemy and the enemy got afraid for a minute and then they ended up defeating Israel. And what did they take? They took the Ark of the Covenant. And where did they put the Ark of the Covenant? They put it in the temple of Dagon, a competing God. You know what happened? <laughs> Here's the Ark of the Covenant. Here's Dagon which was a fish god of fertility. You know what happened? The, the uh, priests of Dagon came in the next morning. What happened? Okay. Uh, it had fallen over. 
they put it back up. They come in the next day, it fell over again. They put it back up. They, they're not learning, okay? And then the next morning they go in, and it's down, and the hands have been cut off, and the head is broken. There is no competition with our God. We fear him and fear him only. Amen? Hallelujah. 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 So, to fear God is to have a deep reverence for him above anyone else. To be afraid of being separated from him. Did you hear me? If you're going to be afraid, it's because you're afraid of being separated from him. You wouldn't dare want to do anything that would cause him hurt if it were said that way. You would not want, you, you, everything inside of you would want to please him. Is everything that you say, everything that you do, is it in line with pleasing the Father? That's really a powerful part of the fear of God. Hallelujah. And then to stand in awe at his holiness, his majesty, his power, and his love. Have you gone out and seen the majesty and the power and the wonder of this great God? Or do you just busy yourself just flying by saying, oh, gotta go, gotta get there, gotta get there, go here, go there, do this, do that, go shopping, go this, blah, 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 to pay my bills and go and pick up sister and pick up and going here, going there. And then we fall on our beds at night and we gotta snooze because we only have two hours before we're supposed to get up and then we go to our job, la, la, la. And there is no looking into the majesty and the power and the wonder of this God of the universe who created you. And we zip on by as though as there's nothing going on. Let me remind you of Moses and the Hebrews at Mount Sinai. Okay, Moses goes up to the mountain. Okay, and and. He has heard, he's got that wonderful, the, you remember the fire, the fiery bush? He had that experience. And, and then God says, go and, and, and get those people from uh, Egypt. And he does, brings them. And where does he bring them to? He brings them to the very place where he had the fiery bush experience. He says, I want you to meet the one who's going to bring and do marvelous things in your life. I want to bring him to you so you get to know him. And so he says, in three days we're going to meet and God's going to come down and it's going to be glorious. And they say, okay, let's do it. And then when the third day comes, he comes down, shakes a little bit more harder than they they think he should shake. He goes. Uh, he trumpets lo longer than they think that he should trumpet, and everything's shaking and quaking. And they look and they go ah, and they run. Okay, the fearful judgment. They don't want to get involved with that. They're looking at God from a wrong perspective, and they say to him, Moses, you go up. You hear what God has to say, come down, and then we'll decide whether we like that or not. Huh. How about those who want to get as close to the edge of the boundary of sin as possible? Been around those people? Maybe you're one of them, okay? Let me see how far I can get to the edge of the boundary of that which is permissible with God. Let's see if I can get, yeah, is this okay? Is this okay? Uh, what, what if I have this many? What, what, what about this? You know, and you get over to the edge. The child of God who has the fear of God working in them says, I don't even want to get close to the edge of that because I know what it's going to happen to me anyway and I want to be as far away from that as possible. 
That is the fear of God working in your life. Those are the healthy boundaries I was talking about. Job was a righteous man. We hear about it in the word, don't we? Hallelujah. He was severely challenged, though, in his life for a season. He even said that the very thing that he feared the most had come upon him. So there were some things in him that God probably knew Job didn't see, <clears throat> but God allowed him to continue flowing and going and prospering. But then when the enemy came and told him, you know, let, let's, let's do these things, and God said, okay, and then all these things are taken away, and Job's heart begins to be exposed. And in it, okay, God finally, he says, there are several things that we need to address, Job. Let's talk about it. Job 38 I'm not going to go through the whole chapter, but I am going to do a little snippet here and there, and there'll be some pictures up there. Okay? And when Job is confronted by God regarding a healthy fear of the Lord, that's what God was showing him, was a healthy fear of the Lord. Okay? Job is undone. Here are some examples. First picture. Brace yourself like a man, Job. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Did you make that? Look at that. Can you do that? And you treat your God like that? Who marked off its dimensions? Picture two. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? You seen the northern lights? They're almost scary. Make my, my goosebumps on me already. I've seen them. They're almost supernatural. I know they're scientific. Okay? But it's quite amazing. God did that. Scientists may say, no, it's this scientific thing and that scientific thing. It was God. <laughs> we get so worldly minded, okay, we're no heavenly good. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail, Job? Have you, were you the one who created the hail? Did you create the mountains? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I said, this far you may come and no further. Here is where your proud waves stop. Can you do that, Job? Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt in the sky? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with her cubs? Job? Who are you really, Job? Job's response is unforgettable. From Job 42, verses 3 through 6. It says, Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. He's talking. Okay, things too wonderful for me to even know. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and my repent in dust and ashes. There's a proper response for those who fear the Lord. This fear of God, deep reverence for him above any other, causes us to drop our selfish agendas and lovingly follow him. Hmm. 
Proverbs 14, 27 declares, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. What is it? A fountain of life. What does it bring to you? Life. Why are you running away from the very thing that's supposed to give you life? That one may avoid the snares of death. You want to avoid the snares of death? Then you go to the fear of the Lord. For it's a fountain of life. You will find an abundance of life. And how much life is in God? Think on that. Fearing the Lord is a heart and life that is bowed down in utter amazement toward its creator. Knowing the unworthiness of self before him, yet you're still alive. Such gratitude of even standing and breathing causes one to yield willingly, lovingly, and obediently to him. Wow, that's the fear of God. Fear God and him only. Look at your neighbor and say, fear God and him only. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, may you be gripped with these truths. Hallelujah. The fear of the Lord causes us to want to please the Lord in all we do. A healthy fear of God, listen to this, listen to this. A healthy fear of God has dominion over every other fear in your life. I'm, that's so good, I'm going to say it again. A healthy fear of God has dominion over every other fear in your life. It does. Well, sure doesn't feel like it. It doesn't take away from the fact that God's word says it does. A healthy fear of God has dominion over every other fear in your life. And where are you going to get the fear of the Lord? You go to him. You ask him, Father, I need the fear of the Lord. Okay? Open up those veils. Okay? Pull away those veils that have kept me from seeing and understanding the fear of the Lord. Now, why is a healthy fear of God having dominion over every other fear in my life? So, this is why. Because the fear of God is filled with the love of God. Did you hear that? Because the fear of God is filled with the love of God. And God's perfect love casts out what? Fear. So there is a fear that is completely compatible with the love of God. And it is the fear of God. Fear of God and love of God are each important to us. But they are explosively synergistic as you embrace them both together as a package. Let me remind you, uh, two uh, minerals that our bodies need. Two minerals, magnesium and zinc. You've heard about magnesium and zinc, especially in these years that we've dealt with COVID. Okay, one of the things that you do is to help keep your body in, uh, immune solid is by taking zinc amongst some other things, but then you, in order for zinc to have its fullest power and completeness, you need magnesium to go with it. Zinc by itself helps us digest food, boosts the immune system, and keeps bones strong and healthy. That's great. We need that. Magnesium by itself will help strengthen bones, relieve muscle tension, and muscle spasms. I'm your doctor right now. <laughs> When taken in combination, though, these two minerals have mutual benefits. Magnesium helps the body regulate the zinc levels, while zinc ensures that magnesium is absorbed effectively by the body. 
The biggest advantage of taking these two nutrients together is that they do not compete with each other either. Think on that. In fact, this combination actually helps improve sleeping patterns, enhances your muscle recovery, helps cure skin damage, accelerates metabolism, maintains electrolyte balance. Wow! Take them separately, at, you know, different times, not really paying attention, you know, and it might do pretty well, and it'll make you some good, okay? But take them together, and it's power-packed. When you put the fear of God together with the love of God, okay, it's going to create the fullest capability of what you were always meant to do here on this earth. Amen? Come on, give him clap offering. Hallelujah. I heard it said, uh, this, uh, I, was, I can even remember how he said it the other day. Francis de Say, I think that was his name, Francis de Say, he was actually a Catholic. And he spoke on the fear of God. And in that, he said something that really kind of gripped me. It says, we must fear God from love, not love God from fear. Now, when I say not love God from fear, not love God from that irrational fear side because we have a wrong perception of who God is. We must fear God from love, not love God from fear. Fear him from the standpoint of love, not uh, love God from a standpoint of being scared of him. Remember the parable of the talents? The three that got some talents from their master? The first two saw their master with love. They, they knew him. They knew his character. They knew how he flowed. All three of them did, per se, okay? Because they all were all three there. They all worked under him, okay? Two of them saw the master with love and healthy respect. And out of that healthy respect and love, they obeyed. They did what he said. They wanted to do it. They knew that what he said was true and right, and they wanted to be a part of that. The last one saw his master out of fear. And because he saw his master out of fear, there was a different response. He disobeyed. And then that talent was then given to the one who had the ten. Are you getting what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 1 verse number says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Not just any knowledge. Knowing, becoming intimate with the Lord. That knowledge. So when it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of getting to know the Lord. Did you hear that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of getting to know him. Do you want to get to know him? Get drenched in the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because when you get involved with him, you become more intimate and love begins to grow. Hallelujah. You can't put the two and separate them. Not when you really look at it. Proverbs 9, verse 10, part A, from the Amplified Classic, says the reverent fear of the Lord, that is worshiping him and regarding him as truly awesome, is the beginning and the preeminent part of wisdom. It's starting point and it's essence. And where was wisdom? Wisdom was with God at the beginning. So the fear of God was in the beginning. 
And the love of God was in the beginning. The fear of God and the love of God cannot be separated. We know a lot about the love of God. We know very little about the fear of God. Hallelujah. You know what the Aramaic version, I know there are a few of them, but the one I pulled out, it says this about the same scripture just previous, 910a from Proverbs. The chief wisdom is the awe of the Lord. The chief wisdom. You want the highest level of wisdom? That's the awe of the Lord. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, and a little bit further. It's in the Amplified, it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require from you but to fear and worship the Lord your God with awe filled reverence and profound respect? To walk, that is, to live each and every day in all his ways, and to love him and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, your choices, your thoughts, and your whole being. That's the fear of the Lord, and within the fear of the Lord is the love of the Lord. Some other powerful verses dealing with the fear of the Lord. One of the greatest verses that it's even in the word to me, period, is Psalm 25, verse 14. It says, the secret of the Lord, or the secret intimate friendship of the companionship of the Lord, is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. Get this. Do you, like, do you have secrets? We all have secrets. Or at least we used to. Okay, there might be secrets between you and your wife or you and your best friend or you and somebody. There are things that you wouldn't want anyone else to know but you'd be willing to tell that person. Am I right? Those are secrets. God has secrets. But he deals with the secrets differently than we do. We don't want anyone else to know. The secrets that he has, he wants everyone to know, but not everyone is going to be able to know. The ones who fear him, he will release those secrets to. Do you want to know some secrets? I said, do you want to know some secrets? Then you fear him. The secret of the Lord is for those who fear him. And when you fear the Lord... You go to him and he begins to download his covenant truths. He begins to show you things that he won't show other people. Why? Because he can trust you. Because he sees your love for him and your desire to please him. Psalm 86 verse 11. Another powerful truth about the fear of the Lord. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Some of you, the reason why there is a lack of the fear of God is because your heart is divided. You have a divided heart. We have a nation, I believe, that is divided. We don't have a fear of God as we should, as a nation. And I believe that's partly the reason why we're dealing with the things we're dealing with. The body of Christ, I believe, is divided. And that's why the body of Christ has been ineffective in a lot of ways in the United States. You go to other places around the world and the body of Christ is strong, healthy, moving forward. I'm not trying to make you feel awful. I'm just here to stir us as a body that we do not have to stay in the same place as we always have. 
but that we can move forward, not just in the love of God, but in the fear of God. And he will download his covenant truths. He will download his secrets into our lives. He will cause us to become united in our hearts to where we fear his name. And he will teach us his ways. Do you want God to teach you? Uh, one of the uh, people here this morning, I was talking and, and talking about numbers and, and the Bible, you know, like years, you know, the year of the Lord, you know, 5782 and other things, and looking into the Hebrew for everything. And I looked under the Hebrew for the fear of the Lord. And uh, in that understanding of the fear of the Lord, it deals with, if you can get this, it deals with the, that which comes from his belly from his gut and goes out as a river outward and because of that direction and that uh, teaching hallelujah, that comes forth from his gut outward like a river touches us and causes us to shake and causes us to realize that we are nothing without him and that he is preeminent and that we fall on our faces and we repent and we stay in that place of repentance and softness and yieldedness uh, daily before him because he is our source and there is no one even close or like him in any way hallelujah can i get an amen, amen. hallelujah philippians 2 verses 12 and 13 says work out therefore cultivate carry out the goal and the full complete and fully complete your own salvation with what reverence and awe and trembling self-distrust therefore is understood with serious caution tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Wow. Not in your own strength, for it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. He is for you. He is for you. His love declares that he is for you, but also his fear declares that he is for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 says, in the end, and remember who Solomon was, the one who wrote, okay, uh, a few of the books, okay, and he was the wisest man ever to live, so we've heard from the word, and he was the richest, Right? And, and so when we get all that, and he asked for what? When, he went, when God came to him, what did he ask for? What did he ask for? And you know, in the end, that wisdom really didn't work. How do I know? Because he fell into what? Idolatry. He married how many wives? A couple hundred? Had what? Several hundred more concubines? Okay? Accepted other religions and other countries came in. Okay, so did that wisdom help him in the end? No. And here's what he says, because in Ecclesiastes, everything's what? Vain, vanity, vanity. Everything is vanity. It doesn't mean a thing. It's, it's empty. Nothing in this world that this world has to show or offer is, is worth anything. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And so he goes into ex, uh, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and he says this, now all has been heard, everything's been talked about, everything's been shown, all that has been possible, you know, I, it's been shared, it's available, and this is what I have to say about it. 
Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. So after all has been heard, what does he say to us? Fear God. It's just me, but I think maybe if he had asked for the fear of the Lord, maybe a different result could have happened. Fear of God and love of God are integral to revival. You know, we've gone through the last several weeks on Wednesday nights talking about revival, looking into it. Over and over again, when you heard the testimonies of what God was doing in the midst, you heard the fear of God was evident with everyone. The fear of God was expressed in many ways. Many people found their, themselves lying flat on the floor, weeping, wailing, because of, their in, because of their unworthiness of themselves, realizing that without this God, they are nothing. And yet we go and parade ourselves around with our iPads and our iPhones, and we think we're pretty hot stuff. Okay? I'm not trying to make us feel awful. I just want to challenge us, hallelujah, to what I believe our God is wanting us to see and do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The fear of God, hallelujah. Testimonies of past moves of God include a deep work of godly fear every time in every single person who was yielded to his activities. I'm going to ask uh, right now, we're going to be doing ministry activation time. And in that time,